0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The James Wilson Show. Today, in this episode, we'll be covering Representative AOC being the only House Democrat to oppose funding to American businesses. We'll also get into what Executive Director David Beasley has to say about the economy in terms of the coronavirus, and we'll also get to Trump's migration ban. Stay tuned. You're listening to The James Wilson Show. Alright, so before we get into the main information that I will be presenting in this episode of The James Wilson Show, I'd like to first give an episode, uh, an update rather, on my website that is will soon be coming out. Stay tuned for that. There's going to be a lot of amazing features. There's going to be a feature where you're able to donate. Of course, you can listen to my podcast. We'll have a space where you can read the articles that I write. Um, every week. So there is all of that coming. We'll also have a slot where you can fill in a question for the show that I will answer on the podcast. So stay tuned for all of that. I am really excited to get that up and running. So just to keep in mind as we go further. So the first thing I would like to talk about is AOC. We, we talk a lot about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just because she is very far left, a Democrat from New York, obviously, in the House of Representatives. And she, she usually has a lot of, you know, things to say that we talk about on the show because they're, you know, highly controversial to someone being a conservative or young conservative as myself. So as many of you know, um, a recent business bill passed that, you know, helps small businesses during this crisis. The loan money in the previous stimulus bill ran out, so so b- small businesses were able to they qualified for the money but there was no money left to give out so this bill was was in hopes to provide more funding to these small businesses so they can get through this hard time and that when we when we do reopen up the economy they do not you know they they they're still around they hadn't gone bankrupt before now before i get into what aoc actually had to say this is a perfect reason why we need to be considering Reopen the economy at this very moment. The whole reason we went to lockdown mode was because we did not have enough ventilators, we did not have enough masks, we did not have enough, you know, other medical equipment that were needed to control, you know, the coronavirus and as it spread, um, the, the peak and the rise in cases and people and patients who needed to go to the hospital. But as this has evolved further, this has turned into, no, we need to be locked up until we find a cure for the coronavirus or a vaccine, which may take up to 18 months. And that's something we cannot wait for. And this is what we're seeing right now. How the federal government is having to, pro- having to provide not only billions but trillions of dollars to businesses and workers. And this is because there will will be nothing left of the economy if you let all these small businesses go out before you reopen. So this is a needed step if you're going to stay shut down, but this is also the reason why you can't stay shut down, because guess what? The federal government does not have unlimited money, and almost all their money comes from the taxpayers who won't be able to pay them anything if they're not open and they can't have business. So this is a crisis that is slowly evolving with the economy. So you can keep pumping money into the economy. You can keep giving money to small businesses, which is needed and should be given because, you know, as you start to think about it, the government was the one that shut them down in the first place. You better be able to pay them for that. But the longer this goes, the worse it's going to get. And that's why that's why we need to think about reopening the economy, because we cannot keep passing these bills. In the previous episode, you can listen to it talking about the Phase 4 bill. This is something that we really need to consider as we're running out of money and why instead of focusing on passing more and more money, we need to focus on reopening the economy. Now, this is slightly different with the business bill just because it's money that businesses haven't gotten yet, but is still needed from the previous bill because you did shut them down. So anyway... Um, Daily Y reports Socialist Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez was the only House Democrat to oppose funding to help Americans who are struggling from the coronavirus pandemic, which originated in China. The move by the far left lawmaker comes after she cheered American job losses on Twitter earlier in the week when she learned that the oil industry had been ravaged by the pandemic. Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, You absolutely love to see it. This, along with record low interest rates, means it's the right time for worker-led mass investment in green infrastructure to save our lives. To save our planets, cough. Um, Stopping there real quick. So end of quote. Stopping there real quick. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did end up deleting this tweet. But just because she deleted this tweet doesn't mean she still agrees with it. It looked really bad and it was exploding on Twitter many people are pounding her on saying this, but just because she deleted this doesn't mean that she, for now, for some reason, does not agree with it. And I, it is my belief that she still does, that she was being honest with herself when she first tweeted that, and she didn't delete it because... Well, I can't speak for her, but she didn't delete it because she thought it was wrong. She deleted it just because of the backfire that it had on her. So with that said, saying the quiet part out loud... No matter, no matter, you know, the common argument is if we get rid of all fossil fuel jobs, there'll sp- still be more for green energy. We'll we'll make up for those jobs. But you really start to see that many of these socialists, including AOC, don't care if these jobs are lost. They may say that these jobs will be made up through green energy, which some of them will. But you're destroying a huge, a huge, you know, energy sector. Fossil fuels is a huge part of our economy and it's what's run it what's run in our economy. so AOC doesn't really care if these jobs are lost and during a pandemic she suggests that it's a great thing that this is happening. However, just as Republicans and conservatives have been suggesting this time with the Green New Deal as she supports, this would have devastating effects on our economy and as you start to see, oil goes negative and at the same time the economy is doing terrible. so she doesn't care that the economy is doing terrible. All she care well I can't speak for her, but I, I can imagine if she's happy that workers are losing their jobs, I can predict that from that. Anyway, the Daily Wire continues. The $484 billion bill that the House voted on Thursday night includes a $310 billion infusion to the Paycheck Protection Program, a, forg- a forgivable loan program that ran out of money last week amid skyrocketing demand for hurting businesses, Fox News reported. It's a joke when Republicans say that they have urgency around this bill, Ocasio-Cortez falsely claimed. The only folks that have urgency around are folks like Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse and Shake Shack. Well, wow, I can't say that. <laughs> Those are the people getting assistance in these bills. You are not trying to fix this bill for moms and pops. Now, I really do want to focus on the last sentence of what she said. Those are the people getting assistance in this bill. You are not trying to fix this bill for moms and pops. Now, this is incredibly important to talk about when you talk about providing money for small businesses during this crisis. First of all, the people who are running these small businesses are human beings too. There's this common myth or misconception that many people kind of, you know, whether or not they, you know, agree with it or think about it a lot, it's this common myth that business owners are bad. That they want to fire people, they want to lay off people, they want to make the most money possible. Which, when you start to look at it, the more money the business makes, the more the more reasons why it's successful. And it's only successful in a capitalistic society if it serves the people and provides goods and services for other people. So by businesses wanting money, they have to perform self selfless ways of doing that by providing goods and services that others want. So there's this common misconception that business owners are bad people, which is absolutely false. Starting a business is a great way to not only help your economy, but to, you know, get more money, you know, the American dream, of course. You know, not all businesses are successful, but, you know, as Americans, we believe in the American dream. That with a free market society, anyone can have an idea an idea for a service, an idea for a good, and they can start a business and they can transform their life. They are in charge of their life with a free market system that we have in the United States. So that's point number one. Point number two are who are these businesses helping? Well, of course, they're helping their customer by providing a good or service, but they're also providing money. They're providing a paycheck for their workers who help run their business. Now, this is important because many Democrats... In fact, most Democrats are suggesting that we need to be giving the workers more and more money. But what does this do? What does this create? This creates the mentality of government reliance, which I've talked about on the show before. When people become reliant on the government, when they no longer need a job, all they need is assistance from the government, they're not going to get a job. They're not going to help businesses. And businesses need workers businesses don't have workers they can't expand their good or service and when you don't have those opportunities when you don't have those workers you'll collapse your economy and you don't have any innovation and that would crush the free market system and it would crush capitalism now instead let's look at what you know funding these small businesses would do it would allow these small businesses to continue to pay their workers now what would this do This would mean that a worker still has a job, so they have food to provide for their family. But they're also still working, so when the economy does reopen, they don't have to go find a job, or they're not to the point where they're just relying on the government for all their money. No, they're still in that job, and the business will continue to pay them because they got through this crisis that the government put them in by shutting them down. So it's one hundred percent a good idea to fund businesses and not workers. Now, am I saying that there should not be a social, uh, a, a security net for if someone you know falls and you know they lose their job and they don't have any money? No, we should be supporting these people. But however, when you make the benefits of losing your job better than not having a job, you know, if you have a system where people will want to lose their job, if people will want to get fired because they will receive more money if they're unemployed, you're going to create a system of government reliance and you're going to collapse the free market system. So while I do think there should be a safety net in America, it should be pretty hard to live. And I'm not saying these people should suffer. What I am saying is that we need to provide the incentive of getting a job and a decentiv- and decentivize losing their job because that's what creep that's what keeps a free market system going. Anyone can start a business. And these, what I would like to tell Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is these are your fellow Americans. These are the people who want to go back to their job and continue to make money. And when you create a system of government reliance, when you give this money directly to workers, it'll actually backfire on you, and then you'll bankrupt the American government. When you bankrupt the American government, whose job is to provide for common defense and liberties to the people, then it can no longer function and that's when chaos breaks loose. So don't break don't bankrupt the government. You want to provide money for these businesses so that workers can continue to work. So the second story we get to today is on the show we've talked a lot about the economy and how the economy is so important. In fact, we just talked about it right now, how we need to be funding these small businesses that the federal government shut down. Now, if the federal government did not shut down these businesses, we would have we, we wouldn't have this problem. However, because of the pandemic and because we are widely unprepared for it, the government felt it necessary to close down. And as we've said before, it wasn't just closing down, as they said, flatten the curve at first. It wasn't just closing it down to get the necessary materials. Now the argument has turned into we need to close down until everyone is saved. So, and little do many of these um, Americans or politi- Democratic politicians know, the economy has serious effects on people's lives so before we get into it executive director david beasley he works for the un said quote, this sounds truly shocking but let me give you the numbers 820 million people go to bed hungry every night all around the world chronically hungry and as the new global report on food crisis published today shows there are a further 135 million people facing crisis levels of hunger or worse. That means 135 million people on Earth are marching towards the brink of starvation. But now the World Food Program analysis shows that due to the coronavirus, an additional 130 million people could be pushed to the brink of starvation at the end of 2020. That's a total of 265 million million people. There's 365 million people in the United States approximately, so almost you know almost like 70% of our entire population. There is also a real danger that more people could potentially die from the economic impact of COVID-19 than from the virus itself. Lockdowns and, and economic recessions are expected to lead to a majority to a major loss of income among the working poor. Overseas readmittance will drop sharply. This will hurt countries such as Haiti, Nepal, and Somalia, just to name a couple. The loss of tourism recipients will damage countries such as Ethiopia, where it accounts for 47% of total exports. The collapsing oil prices in lower-income countries like South Sudan will have an impact significantly, where oil accounts for 98.8% of total exports. And of course, when donor countries' revenues are down, how much impact will this have on life-saving foreign aid? The economic and health impacts of COVID-19 are most worrisome for communities in countries across Africa as well as the Middle East because the virus threatens further damage to the lives and livelihoods of people already put at risk. In a worst-case scenario, we could be looking at famine in about three dozen countries. And in fact, in 10 of these countries, we already have more than 1 million people per country who are on the verge of starvation. In many places, this human suffering is the heavy price of conflict. So this makes some really good points. On the show, obviously, we've talked about the flu kills people every year. 20 to 60,000 Americans in the United States every year, alone. Now, it's not serious as a percentage, I'm, I'm, and those 20 to 60,000 lives, it's terrible, and my heart goes out to those people, but no one decides to shut down the economy because of this. If this was a debate between public health and the economy, and you can only choose one, these governors, these mayors, have been choosing the economy because you realize you can't save every public health life. The fact that we exist around each other creates a a public health, you know, problem. To go to work and be around other people creates that same problem. And because we have minor diseases such as flu that still kill tens of thousands of people in the United States every year, we do not decide to shut down the economy. Furthermore, when you do shut down the economy, you can have significant effects. And because he's David Beasley's from the UN executive director, he's more talking about on a global scale. But we start to see how this could push an additional 130 million people to the brink of starvation by the end of 2020. That would be a total of 265 million people starving to death. And that is something we cannot accept. And if we destroy the greatest economy in the United States, that's not only scary, But how are these other countries going to survive? I mean, we provide foreign aid, but if you destroy all businesses in our free market system, the government is going to have any money left to provide for other countries, which is becoming a serious issue in places around the world. So while you may not think about it, you know, public health is important and should be considered, but the economy is also what keeps people around the world alive. You're providing food, new technologies and goods and services and working Americans and people around the world are what keep a sustainable world where people can live and obviously still we have a, we still have a huge problem with that. All right, so the last thing we would like to I would like to talk about today happens to be about Trump's migration ban. So obviously there's a 60-day pause on migration and immigration and As you can imagine, this is something that, you know, needs to be thought about and enacted because we're in the middle of a crisis, we're shutting down everything, why would we be letting in more people right now? We don't know where they've been, we don't know if they've had the coronavirus or have the coronavirus, how will they adopt to a life where all businesses are shut down and so many people are relying on government money right now? The government is already incredibly concerned about how we're going to pay for this, at least many conservatives. That doesn't seem to be the top worry of Democrats right now, but who knows, I can't speak for them. Maybe some of them do. So you've got this huge issue. Why would you let more people in right now? And that's not to suggest that Trump's xenophobic or that I'm xenophobic. Immigration is good. Migrants are good, and we want them in our country. However, we can't have... We can't have a crisis situation going on in the country and still allowing people in who could be carriers of this disease. We got a problem to focus on right now, and that's not to suggest that we should be pausing immigration forever. If we're pausing immigration forever, that would be bad, and I would disagree. This is a 60-day ban that will help the United States control the pandemic we are already facing. But, of course, many people are arguing that this is xenophobic and that Trump is trying to distract from what's actually happening in the United States. So without further ado, here's what the New York Times has to say. When things aren't going smoothly for President Trump, his go-to move is to change the subject to topics that cheer his supporters and drive his critics into paroxysms of outrage. Mr. Trump's decision on Wednesday 2, as he proclaimed on Twitter, Sign an executive order prohibiting immigration into our country today seems designed as just a distraction. So hang on, let's pause for a second. Let's pause for a second. Why would this be a distraction if this actually has to apply? uh, That which actually applies to the coronavirus. If it was like, okay, let's talk about, I don't know, let's talk about guns right now. You know, that might be a little distraction. Obviously, those are important issues. But that would, I'm not saying I agree with that, but that would even be a little more plausible explanation than something that directly has to go, that, that goes hand in hand with the coronavirus crisis we are facing. Now, obviously, you know, immigration, people are coming in, they could, you know, we don't know if they've had coronavirus, if they've had it and we need to assess that situation. The problem is we're already in such a crisis, an economic and public health crisis in the United States. This is something we cannot be focusing on. We're already spending so much money on aid to all Americans across the United States. So while, well, it may be a more plausible argument to say that towards something else, then again, you know, politics has a bunch of important issues that need to be addressed as soon as possible. The worst thing to choose to say as a distraction is something that directly has to be related to the coronavirus anyway continuing Quote, the president first announced his intentions in a late night tweet on monday claiming it was a necessary response to the attack from the invisible enemy his latest nickname for the coronavirus and to protect the jobs of our great american citizens Like clockwork, Democrats denounced his xenophobia and accused him of trying to shift the nation's focus away from his handling of the pandemic. But the outcry is also behind the curve. In the name of protecting the nation, the Trump administration has already shut down most legal immigration through more piecemeal moves. In recent weeks, it has imposed tougher travel restrictions and has stopped processing most visas. Visa interviews are not taking place, nor are citizenship ceremonies." Migrants crossing the border are now turned back until the usual protections for minors and asylum seekers. As Mr. Trump elaborated at his Tuesday news briefing, there will be a 60-day pause in issuing new green cards, though he said that that could be extended based on economic conditions. Responding in part to a backlash from business, the ban for now at least, will not affect guest worker programs, including seasonal farm workers and individuals of With H 1B visas. To recap, the president is trumpeting a temporary ban on immigration to protect American jobs that exempts many employment based programs. While Mr. Trump's executive order is flashy in policy terms, it is less an announcement of what he is going to do than what he has already done in realizing an anti immigration vision formed long before any of this ever happened. Okay, a couple of things I want to talk about, definitely, about this New York Times opinion article. First, let's talk about the last line, saying that Trump has already been doing this. Trump has already been enacting this through, quote, He's done this in realizing an anti-immigration vision formed long before anyone had ever heard of COVID-19. This is something that drives me somewhat crazy to suggest that cr- conservatives are anti immigrant now i'm not suggesting all democrats say that however i am suggesting that there's a large portion including this new york times opinion articles as we see democrats in politics politicians are calling him xenophobic for this there's lots of things trump is in no way anti immigration he has no he's there's no way he has an anti-immigration vision what he does have is an anti-illegal immigrant vision that illegal immigrants should not be in this country right now. There are people waiting in line to get into this country and are waiting lawfully to do that. And then you have people sneaking across the border. Not to mention, you know, there's many drugs that get past the border. All these sorts of problems that are being caused at the border. So in no way is the border wall anti-immigration what the border wall is is anti illegal immigration and that has been one of trump's big you know big parts of his campaign trump loves immigrants he does not love illegal immigrants which is something an issue that we actually have to talk about because when you have tons of people in this country who are stealing social security numbers don't abide you know by laws i'm not suggesting all of them do but you've got many stealing social security numbers working lower than the minimum wage and taking taking jobs away from other Americans and all of these other you know things that are making it harder for the immigrants who are doing this through the legal process to get in. When you've got millions of illegal immigrants in this country and we don't even know who they are or where they are, how are we supposed to speed up the legal immigrant process? And that's very hard to do. And in order to tackle the legal immigration process, you have to first go... And make sure that the anti the illegal illegal immigrant um, problem is done and solved, and that is something that Trump has been focusing on. In no way is he anti-immigrant; he is anti-illegal immigrant. That word illegal before immigrant. So distractions is one of the big pieces of this article. All it's all a distraction. But as I've already stated. Immigration directly has to do with the problem we are facing. If we start to think about it, this, you know, virus started in China. If we had a 100% pause on immigration from before the coronavirus started. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should have done that because we didn't know about it then and I think we should allow immigrants into this country but say we'd never accepted any immigrants ever and no one could go in and out of the country. How could COVID-19 possibly get into the United States? It couldn't if no one went in or out of the country. Now, I'm not suggesting again that that should happen, but you start to see the picture that COVID-19 got to the United States because people people went back and forth between China China in the United States, people went back and forth between China and other countries. And then those other countries came to the United States, people from those countries. So you start to see that immigration largely affects the spread of the disease. And when you're on lockdown mode, when your businesses are shut down, when you have terrible economic conditions, and you're trying to control the spread, you can't have people flowing in and out. And what's funny to see, you start to see a pattern here. Trump pauses immigration to china after the coronavirus on january 31st which dr fauci said was really early and you could he actually said that so you know you've got that joe biden called him xenophobic nancy pelosi called it a racist move almost two months later march trump announced a europe ban maybe it was even late february mid early march trump announced a travel ban to europe temporarily No one called that xenophobic. Why did no one call that xenophobic? And you may suggest that it's because of race, but it's the same exact thing. And it's done for the same exact reason to try and control the spread of COVID-19. So it's not based on race at all. Both actions were done for the same reason, except one's xenophobic and one's not. And now that Trump is saying, now that Trump is suggesting and, you know, enacting that we need to have a 60-day pause on immigration, and they're now calling this xenophobic again, it doesn't line up. He's doing this all for the same intentions, and some are xenophobic, and some are not, just based on race, and that does not make any sense. So thanks for listening to this episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson, and we'll see you next time.